Chapter 6 Send Where Do Disciples Go? A few years ago, a young woman named Hope participated in our training program. She was a nurse at a local hospital, and she was a longtime faithful member of our church. She had never really considered world missions as a part of what God might be calling her into, but was faithfully participating in the mission of God in her spheres of influence. She was in a discipleship space that taught through the Gospel of Matthew over a weekend. It was nothing fancy, just an introduction to gospel literature, hermeneutics, and a basic overview and exposition of the text. Yet, through a basic reading of Matthew, Hope began to better understand the story of Scripture, who Jesus was, and what it means to be a disciple. Specifically, she was captivated by a richer meaning of the Great Commission at the end of the Gospel. This was not a seminar on world missions, but a seminar on how the Gospels form us as disciples. It was not a seminar on why we should go to unreached people groups. It was not a seminar on church planting. It was just a simple seminar on the Gospel of Matthew. But through this seminar, the mission of God got into her blood. Churches are used to asking the question, where do some disciples go? But we should ask the better question, where do all disciples go? We cannot just focus on sending missionaries and church planters, though we can never stop planting churches and missionaries. But a culture of deep discipleship is intent not on sending a few, but on sending all. I know that some churches have a concern that if they focus too intently on discipleship, they may not be as focused on mission. I heard one pastor say that a church that focuses on discipleship feasts on the Bible but fasts from mission. This couldn't be further from the truth. It is another example of the either-or mentality. Either we will be a church that focuses on discipleship, or we will be a church that focuses on mission. It's certainly possible that some churches who focus on discipleship neglect mission, but to do so reveals that their discipleship focus isn't truly a focus on discipleship at all. Discipleship is about being a learner of Jesus, and the mission of Jesus was to seek and save the lost. He commanded us to take the gospel to all peoples. If our discipleship doesn't lead to mission, we're not producing disciples of Jesus. A deep discipleship church, therefore, is also a missional church. A church that trains is also a church that sends. Christian maturity does not hinder mission. It fuels mission. The multiplication of churches starts with the multiplication of mature disciples. Holistic disciples love God with all their heart and with all their soul and with all their strength and with all their mind, and they also love their neighbor as themselves. Luke chapter 10 verse 27 and Matthew chapter 22 verses 37 through 40. Jesus gives us this picture of holistic discipleship, the great commandment, as a means by which to recenter our whole selves on God. He also instructs his followers to make more people who love God as they do. After his resurrection, Jesus instructed his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. 
The picture the Gospels give us is that Great Commandment Christians are called to replicate themselves in the Great Commission. The Great Commission will be fulfilled by Great Commandment Christians. To be a Great Commandment Christian is to love God with your whole self and to love your neighbor. The Great Commission is to create Great Commandment Christians. The Great Commandment invites us to participate in the Great Commission, and the Great Commission invites us to participate in the Great Commandment. If we abandon the Great Commandment, we will undermine the Great Commission. The mission of Jesus is not to create half-hearted disciples, but whole disciples, people who love God with their whole self and their neighbor as themselves. There is no tension between the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, but rather synergy. Training and mission are meant to fuel each other. If you start by going deep, you will also be forced to go wide. If you start by going wide, you will never go deep. Where do disciples go? We have discussed space, where disciples are formed, scope, what disciples need, and sequence, how disciples grow. An equally important question for deep discipleship is about sending. Where do disciples go? A central element of a church that is pursuing deep discipleship is intentionally commissioning disciples to participate in the mission of God. It is not enough to form deep disciples. We have to be equally intentional about sending deep disciples. For deep discipleship to take root in your church, you need to be equally focused on training and sending. A church that focuses on training without sending is missionless. A church that focuses on sending without training is purposeless. In every discipleship space, you should ask your participants, what are you learning and whom are you teaching what you are learning? Discipleship never terminates on itself, but all disciples go and make other disciples. To be a disciple of Jesus is to make other disciples of Jesus. Multiplication is baked into the definition of what it means to be a disciple. The reason the local church forms deep disciples is so they can experience deeper communion with God and also participate in His mission of inviting others into fellowship with Christ. There is no such thing as a disciple of Christ who is not making other disciples of Christ. Disciples make disciples. The local church has an opportunity to both train and send, to equip people and commission people. Send everyone you train and train everyone you send. But it is not enough to be committed to the idea of sending people. It is important that you have intentional pathways for sending and commissioning people to participate in the mission of God. Churches that are pursuing a culture of deep discipleship are intentionally commissioning their disciples into the church, the home, their neighborhoods, the workplace, and the nations. The Church Being sent is not for the spiritually elite. It is for every Christian. One of the most overlooked aspects of sending is intentionally sending disciples back into the local church to serve and lead. I know that it sounds a little counterintuitive to think of the local church as the first place to intentionally send people, but I also think it is deeply biblical. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 reminds us that one of the primary purposes of discipleship in the local church is to build more disciples who build up the body of Christ. Every believer is called to ministry and service in the local church. 
One of the clearest ideas the New Testament gives us is that we are all called to build up the body of Christ through service. When the church becomes a place where people are an audience, rather than participants, we have moved far away from the New Testament's understanding of discipleship. Ministry is not something the church staff does, it is something the whole church does. The responsibility of the local church is not to put on a show, but to call and equip others into service. Christ has given foundational gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, in order to equip all the saints to do ministry. Too often the church can act as if the foundational gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher are the only gifts because those are the ones that get all the attention. The church is not meant to put the talented on a stage, but the gifted into service, and all are gifted. Each believer functions with spiritual gifts that are meant to be put into the service of the church in order to build up the body of Christ. The role of the church staff is not to do ministry for people, but to equip all people to do ministry. Romans chapter 12 paints a similar picture. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Verses 4 through 8. Paul is saying that all the members of the body of Christ are dependent on serving one another. We need one another. When the local church does not have simple pathways and trajectories for people to be commissioned back into the local church to serve and to lead, we communicate to them that we do not need them. Each person in your church has been given a gift to serve the body, to contribute to the good of the whole. When you send and empower them to serve in the church, everyone is better for it, and you communicate the gospel truth that we are one body and many members, each in need of the others. Serving and leading in the local church in meaningful ways is the incubator for mission. In comparison to sending disciples to the ends of the earth, this can feel a bit self-serving for a church. It can feel like we are more interested in our own needs and not the needs of others. I understand that impulse, but commissioning disciples into service in the local church is actually what enables the commissioning of people to the ends of the earth. Most people you disciple will not be sent abroad, but they can contribute meaningfully to a healthy local church. As they contribute to a healthy local church discipleship culture, they will enable and fuel others to go make disciples among the nations. If we are not making disciples in the church, we will never make disciples among the nations. There are two places to send and commission people into the life of the local church. First, you can send disciples back into the discipleship spaces they have already participated in. When you think about the discipleship sequence you create for your church, whatever space comes before the environment a disciple is in, they should be able to lead, or at least facilitate, in that environment. For example, 
someone who has graduated from a residency environment should be able to lead a small group in a previous teaching environment. Some of them will even be able to teach in an environment like a men's or women's Bible study. Your discipleship program graduates should be your best leaders in your men's and women's Bible studies. Many of these environments will be life-changing for these men and women, so the opportunity to serve in these environments will be massive for them. They will have the opportunity to see the same deep discipleship in others they have experienced for themselves. You will also see that, as they become teachers and facilitators themselves, they will learn the material better than they ever have before. One instinct you will have to avoid as you set up all of these spaces dedicated to learning is the instinct to staff everything out to paid ministers. Once you have equipped others, you have to send them to equip others as well. Show them that they are equipping matters, that once they are equipped, they are going to be able to use the new tools they have in order to serve and lead others. There are certainly some things that should be handled by elders and pastoral staff, but a lot of these learning spaces should be led, taught, and facilitated by members of your church. Rather than staffing all discipleship spaces, send people into those spaces whom you have already trained and give them the responsibility of equipping others. A huge opportunity for you is to invite people to be participants in these discipleship spaces, not audience members. You will find that the deepest discipleship happens when they are able to own parts of the discipleship sequence. Second, not only should you send people back into a learning space, but you can send disciples back into other ministries in the local church. During the first year of the training program at the Village Church Institute, I was worried that asking for such a big commitment from people might mean that they would stop serving in other ministries in the church. I even had several staff express concern that they were going to lose many of their volunteers. I thought that our student ministry volunteers or our group leaders might take a year off in order to participate in the one-year training program. Maybe the team that serves in our recovery ministry would not be able to continue leading while they were in the training program. In light of that concern, we decided to make serving in another ministry while you were completing the training program a requirement for admission. We decided not to accept anyone into the training program who was not serving elsewhere in the church. We were committed to this principle because we want to provide the best training and equipping for the people who are already serving the church, not just people who wanted to take a class. This principle proved to be invaluable because not only did it improve the applicant pool, but it provided them an outlet to share and teach others what they were learning. Something we began noticing almost immediately was how the culture of the training program was making its way into other discipleship ministries in the church. Home group leaders began taking their home groups through similar curriculum. A group of guys who were leading a high school Bible study began taking their students through the basics of Christian doctrine. Our leaders in the preschool and elementary school ministries began revising some of their curriculum to match more closely what they were being trained in. One of my favorite things at church over the past few years has been taking my two kids, Thomas and Bailey, to their preschool ministry classrooms during worship service. These leaders in our family ministries are some of the most dedicated and devoted disciple-makers in the church. 
One classroom in particular was led by a couple who were going through the training program that year. He was working as an oil executive, and she was busy serving in various ministries in the church. When they entered the training program, I was worried that they were not going to be able to maintain all of their commitments, especially serving in our kids' ministry. What I realized over the course of the year was that not only were they able to maintain their commitments, but they actually became more committed to them. They experienced a renewed fuel and fire to what they were doing. I would walk by their classroom and hear how they were teaching and explaining the Bible with a renewed vigor. They were using language similar to what they were hearing in the training program, but making it accessible for preschoolers. They led our three-year-old room at church, and when I dropped my kids off there, almost every week the curriculum they were working through, the prayers they were learning, and the stories they were hearing were directly related to what they had learned the week before in the training program. I began to hear my son use language from the training program that he was hearing not from me, but from our participants. They have responded to the question, What are you learning and whom are you teaching it to? by taking what they have learned in the training program and teaching it in the kids' ministry. Deep discipleship is most clear when the people you are training are sent to train others. This couple is living proof that deep discipleship doesn't distract from mission. It fuels it. They described their experience as being both trained and intentionally sent as no longer being volunteers in the preschool ministry, but as leaders in the preschool ministry. Their work was not nice, but necessary. Their service was infused with more meaning now because they could see how the investment we were making in them was also making its way to others. They began to see themselves rightly not just as recipients of a discipleship curriculum, but as conduits of a discipleship lifestyle. They realized that they were not just volunteers, but indispensable ministry partners in the church. One of the biggest opportunities for the local church, when you train and send people to serve in your own local church, is to create a shared discipleship culture across all ministries. One of the biggest threats to a church that wants to pursue deep discipleship is ministry silos. If you only have a culture of deep discipleship in one of your ministries, it will never work. All ministries need to share this vision of deep discipleship. And this is made possible when ministries are intentionally equipping their people to go serve in other ministries. What if the scope and sequence you create could be shared by all ages? Then, when you are training people in Bible studies, a training program, core classes, or a residency, you are equipping them with the categories and language they can use in spaces you are commissioning them into. If you are training people intentionally around the story of the Bible— basic Christian beliefs, and spiritual habits, they will be able to use and appropriate that language in any ministry they are serving. This is what we saw with this couple and so many other leaders. They were able to take the language and ideas we were using in our discipleship learning spaces and use it in appropriate ways as they served kids. People don't graduate from discipleship. They are commissioned into further discipleship. It is important that you begin using language like this. When people finish your Bible study, core class, training program, or a residency, they do not graduate. They are commissioned. There are no graduates from learning spaces, only commissioned participants.
It's important for your people to realize that, as they participate in your discipleship sequence, they are not completing a course that they graduate from, but a course that commissions them back into the life of the church to serve. One year, we decided to rewrite our Vacation Bible School curriculum. Our preschool staff asked some of our members to help with the writing process. All of these members were graduates of the training program, and since they had been commissioned back into serving the church, they were prepared for this responsibility. They took everything they learned in the training program and simplified it into a curriculum that was age-appropriate. They built out worksheets, videos, and songs, all based on the things they had been equipped in and commissioned to give to others. This was discipleship that was not handed over to the staff, but completely done by men and women who had been trained and deployed to serve the church. Think about how momentous this could be for your church. When you intentionally disciple your leaders and create intentional pathways for leading in your church, you will be stunned by the results. I was always a little concerned that the quality of discipleship would suffer if we released church members to do it. But I could not have been more wrong. The quality actually got better. This meant that not only were we discipling a few hundred people in the training program, but our participants were taking what they were learning and teaching it to hundreds of others in our church. This is the best of what training and sending into the local church can look like. When we value both training and sending, we democratize discipleship in the local church. When you intentionally train people in the local church and commission them back into the local church, you are not neglecting the Great Commission. You are helping to fulfill it. Your members are the local church, so they are meant to impact it, not just be impacted by it. Not only church staff members participate in the mission of God, every member is a participant. Empower your people to participate in the mission of God in the local church by not only training them, but also intentionally sending them to serve and to lead. Train everyone you send and send everyone you train. Homes and Neighborhoods Not only are disciples sent into the local church, but they are also commissioned back into their homes and neighborhoods. Spouses, parents, grandparents, and singles should all be commissioned back into their homes and neighborhoods to make disciples. Some of the healthiest spiritual fruit we have seen coming out of our learning spaces is spouses growing deeper in the Lord together. The men's and women's Bible studies, though they meet separately, cover the same books of the Bible and use the same curriculum. This has created wonderful conversations for our married couples that have allowed them to see their home as a place for spiritual development in new ways. The husbands are able to share what they are learning with their wives, and wives are able to share with their husbands what God is teaching them. A lot of churches talk about it being the parents' responsibility to disciple their kids, and they are right. But that only works if you are intentionally training the parents in the church and empowering them to spiritually form their children in the home. When moms and dads take the gospel to their homes and disciple their kids, they are obeying the Great Commission. A mom does not have to go overseas to participate in the Great Commission. She can also go to the nursery. A dad does not have to go overseas to participate in the Great Commission. He can drive his children to school and back. It is one thing to see the home as a place for spiritual development, 
it is another thing to equip parents to make their home a place for discipleship. One of the best things we can do for the spiritual development of the next generation is for them to see older generations walking closely with the Lord. The home is the primary place for them to see what deep discipleship looks like from their parents. The fastest way to take the gospel to the nations is to take it to our neighbors. Of course, the local church should be taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, but before we take the gospel to the ends of the earth, we should take it to the end of the street. The people we eventually send to the nations are the people who are already sent to their neighbors. We should not send anybody to make disciples of the nations who is not already making disciples of their neighbors. Churches with a culture of deep discipleship should celebrate the missional movement of the last decade. At their best, missional churches plant churches, transform communities, and reach people with the good news of Christ. However, one thing we have learned about the missional movement is the danger of sending people before forming people. We have made the mistake of sending people who have not yet been formed themselves. Mission without formation is suicide for a church. If we send people who have not been deeply discipled in the local church, they will be discipled more by who we send them to. Missionally-minded churches that are helping their people see their neighbors as a mission field must be equally committed to forming their people for the mission. It takes a disciple to make a disciple. That is why it is so important for the church to form people and then send them back into their communities. The Great Commission does not start with going to the nations, but to their neighbors. Workplace In the garden, God gave humanity not only His presence, but a purposeful existence. Work The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 In the Christian worldview, work is inherently good. Certainly sin taints humanity's relationship to its labors, Genesis chapter 3 verses 17 through 19, but God's primary intention is to give humanity purpose in work as humans cultivate God's creation. It is not an exaggeration to say that humanity's primary commission is to work, cultivate, and care for God's creation. Even while Israel was in exile in Babylon, they were reminded by the prophet Jeremiah of their calling to cultivate, steward, and care for God's creation. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, Build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, and do not decrease but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 4 through 7 Work is God's idea, and all of us are given the responsibility to work for the good of those around us. Many of the men and women we minister to either have a hard time seeing their work as good, or they see their work as the ultimate good. Either they believe their work is not worth doing, or they believe it is the only thing worth doing. Either work is purposeless, or it is their only purpose. When the local church trains and sends its members into the workplace, 
we have the opportunity to show them that when the mission of God frames our work, no work is purposeless and no work is our primary purpose. The primary work of Christians in the marketplace is mission. All Christians are ministers. The only thing that changes is context. By our work, the naked are clothed, the hungry are fed, and the sick are healed. By our labor, we love our neighbors. Toiling in our God-given place, we become God's agents. Local churches have the opportunity to recast and re-envision for Christians how their work is infused with meaning and opportunity for gospel ministry. As I was writing this, I received a text in a group thread from one of our former Marketplace residency participants. She works in the marketing industry at a major firm in Dallas, and for the longest time she struggled to see her vocation as an opportunity for discipleship. She considered changing her career to full-time vocational ministry and even started to go to seminary part-time. In her text, she shared with the group about all of the conversations she is having with her co-workers about the story of Scripture. She said that most of them did not know the Bible is a unified story. They believed it was just a book of morals, rules, and commands. She was able to share the story of Scripture with them from the perspective of work, and her co-workers were amazed that the theme of work could be traced through the Bible from beginning to end. This conversation, she commented, helped her see that her work is meaningful and that God can use her in her vocation for His kingdom. One of the greatest benefits to come out of the Protestant Reformation was the recovery of a Christian understanding of work. The priesthood of believers certainly applies to a ministry context. All Christians are ministers of reconciliation and have gifts to build up the church. But we also need to be reminded that the priesthood of believers applies to a marketplace context. All work done for the glory of God brings glory to God. When we commission our people into their vocations, they are reminded that what they do matters to God, that there is not a sacred-secular divide when it comes to vocation, and that all meaningful work brings glory to God. Yet, in the church today, Many Christians still believe that vocational ministry is more meaningful than working in the marketplace, education, or medical fields. One of the most important things you can do for your people is to remind them of the importance of their work, to reinfuse gospel meaning into their everyday lives. Churches that are committed to deep discipleship want their best disciple-makers to be commissioned into their vocations as men and women whose work is infused with the purpose of the kingdom of God. The Nations Finally, a church that is passionate about forming deep disciples in the church is also passionate about forming deep disciples among the nations. Churches that are committed to deep discipleship are also committed to missions and church planting among the unreached. We should want to send our most trained, mature, and godly men and women to start gospel movements among the nations. One of the primary missions of the local church is to plant more healthy local churches across the globe. But we cannot plant healthy, multiplying churches among the unreached until we have healthy, multiplying disciples among ourselves. We have learned two lessons about sending missionaries and church planters to the field. The first lesson is that we cannot expect missionaries to become deep and holistic disciples on the field if they are not deep and holistic missionaries before they go to the field. 
we cannot expect missionaries to do on the field what they are not doing at home. Local churches can have a tendency to send missionaries to the field, expecting them to become healthy Christians while there. But this is a misguided instinct that compromises our ability to plant churches and reach the lost. Missionaries and church planters go into some of the most emotionally, relationally, physically, and spiritually disorienting environments in the world. If they are not shaped in the Bible, Christian beliefs, and spiritual habits before they go, they will not have any gauges to reorient them. The second lesson we learned was the importance of the local church in sending missionaries to the unreached. The most qualified and effective church planters and missionaries are trained in the local church. I am grateful for all sending agencies around the world, but sending agencies are most effective when they work closely with the local church. Too often the local church abdicates its responsibility of sending missionaries to mission agencies, believing the mission agency is more equipped to train and send missionaries. Missions organizations are able to provide specialized training, such as language skills and contextualization, but there is no substitute for the local church in sending disciples to fulfill the Great Commission. As the local church re-engages in the task of creating learning spaces in the local church, we are also going to have the opportunity to send our most mature and Christ-like disciples to the ends of the earth. There is no dichotomy between training and sending, or equipping and commissioning. Train every person in your church and send every person in your church. That is deep and holistic discipleship. Equip every person in your church and deploy every person in your church. Holistic formation is not a hindrance to mission, and mission is not a limitation to holistic formation. Instead, deep discipleship and mission, training, and sending are meant to work together and complement one another. Deep discipleship is the fuel for mission. The Great Commission is going to be fulfilled in our churches, our homes, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, and ultimately the nations, and it is going to be fulfilled by deep disciples who are committed to the glory of God above all else. Scope Bible Beliefs Habits Core Classes and Bible Studies Church, Home, Neighborhood, Workplace Discipleship Program Church Home, Neighborhood, Workplace, Nations Residency Church, Home, Neighborhood, Workplace, Church Planting, Pastoring Main Ideas 1. A culture of deep discipleship is not intent on sending a few, but on sending all. A deep discipleship church is also a missional church. A church that trains also sends. Christian maturity does not hinder mission, it fuels mission. The Great Commission will be fulfilled by Great Commandment Christians. 2. A central element of a church that is pursuing deep discipleship is intentionally commissioning disciples to participate in the mission of God. It is not enough to form deep disciples. We have to be equally intentional about sending deep disciples. 3. Churches that are pursuing a culture of deep discipleship are intentionally commissioning their disciples into the church, the home, their neighborhoods, the workplace, and the nations. Questions for Discussion 1. Have you heard people express the notion that discipleship and mission somehow compete with each other in the local church? 
Why is that thinking misguided and unbiblical? 2. Have you ever been a part of a local church with a commissioning culture? If so, what did that look like? If not, what might it look like if your church developed this culture? 3. Why is it not only preferable but essential for disciples to be commissioned into service as they are growing? In other words, why is it essential for them to pour out while they're being filled up? To-do list 1. Discuss together some of the dangers inherent in a so-called discipleship culture that is not intent on sending all of its members into ministry. 2. Does your church currently have a commissioning culture? If so, what does that look like practically? If not, how can you adopt this? 3. Take a look at your working scope and sequence. Discuss what it would look like to send disciples into the church, the home, their neighborhoods, the workplace, and the nations from your discipleship spaces.